Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on a Friday afternoon here. And we have a special guest today. Trish Stinson is here. She is one of our athletes at Jeremy Scott Fitness, an Arizona native, which is rare here for us in the Valley. She is a dog mom to three dogs. She is a Star Trek and Star Wars comic book enthusiast, which, side note, I have not seen either of those things or know anything about them. And uh, honestly, today we have her on. She is uh, a breast cancer survivor. I'm going to have her share her story uh, with you guys, and we're kind of dig into uh, deeper detail on that, her life before, during, after, and everything in between. So, Trish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So, the first thing, just give these guys um, just your quick kind of, you know, basic bio if you want to, like, born in... Arizona, played sports, didn't play sports. What was the normal life like? Um, born and raised here. I got six generations from here. Did not play sports as a kid. Um, None? Zero? Yeah, no. Nice. Um, my brother and sister did, but I was the uh, bookworm, computer geek, um, went to Star Trek conventions with dad. Nice. Um, <laughs> took computers apart, read books. Uh, I was active. I rode my bike. I, you know ran did stuff like that on my own but uh you know i can't come from the era of you came home when the street lights came on um, pre-internet kids y- yes did yes. you have computers in school we did good old oregon trail <laughs> nice did you guys have number munchers that was like that a math familiar. it was like a math game kind of like pac-man where they would eat the numbers when you'd play yes it. yes yeah my, yes. we had that too yep nice so as a kid, um, healthy kid, unhealthy kid, like you eat healthy food, you eat junk food. Um, health, a healthy lifestyle was never what it. I mean, I guess what it is today. I mean, I I was always a healthy kid, skinny growing up. Um, you know, mom and dad. You know, they ate fairly healthy, but you know, it was the normal like tater tots and For you sure. know some sort of meat, maybe a vegetable. Um, I was definitely the one um, out of the three kids that probably ate more vegetables than the other two. Nice. I was always willing to try anything. I was I wasn't the picky eater. I'll, I'll try anything. I dig that. Any favorite like childhood crappy treats like pop tarts or like Funyuns or Doritos or anything? No. Um. God, what did I like? I mean. I'll I'll eat a whole box of Fruit Loops and nice. No regrets. I do um, miss cereal. Let me some Taco Bell. <laughs> Still to this day or no? Um, yeah, probably. No <laughs> Jack in the Box tacos. I've only had Jack in the Box <laughs> once my whole life, and it was like I wasn't super impressed by it. But I wasn't like wasted either, so that's probably yeah. That's that's maybe why I think any of that crap food is probably better when when you've been drinking. For sure, but then overall, like even let's say. You know, 10 years ago, you're eating relatively healthy, yeah. not drinking or doing anything super crazy. Not, I've never been a big drinker um, to begin with. My parents never really drank much growing up, um, so I was never really around it. And even as an adult, I mean, I might have an occasional glass of wine here and there, go out for some drinks, but I, I don't drink hardly um, really at all. Um, e- even, you know, before I got sick, I, I was very healthy. I ate pretty well. I, I meal prepped as well. So typically always counted my calories. Typical girl, count your calories. For sure. When did you uh, like get into, like let's say, fitness? Like you don't play sports as a kid, but like, okay, all of a sudden you probably wake up one day you're like, all right, I'm 20 or 22. I probably should exercise so I don't end up weighing 400 pounds. I was 
active. I, I was a runner for quite a few years. Um, not like major long distance, you know, probably four to five miles a night, you yeah. know, maybe after work just to stay healthy and active. Um, but uh, that, that's, that was kind of more of my fitness routine until I was probably in my early 30s. And now I get sh stress fractures real easy and I've got premature arthritis in my ankles and knees. So I don't really do a whole lot of running anymore. Neither do I. And I'm way over 200 pounds, so I don't have yeah. any business running either. I don't think it's the greatest for most people in terms of longevity and just bang for your buck investment of time. Not ideal. So, all right, let's, we'll dig into it. So for you. June 6, 2014, you get the diagnosis, they call mm -hmm. you, you have breast cancer. Walk us through kind of the, how that works, like from, I'm an idiot point of view. You're just chilling at home one day or you go in or how do you even, how does the whole process start? Um, whole process started when I found the lump to begin with. Um, I ignored it for several months. <laughs> Um, all I cared about was my career and, you know, life. I didn't care about this little, what I thought was a cyst in my breast. So but I, like when you, when you first feel it, do you think it can be anything or are you just, no, you convince yourself? No, it didn't yourself? even cross my mind okay. that it was anything other than a cyst. And how old are you at the time? Um, I was 32. Okay. Um, so I ignored it for several months. Um, but then I also started noticing just kind of sporadic sharp pains in my, um, in my chest as well. And then I noticed it got, just one day I felt like, it was no longer um, a lump that I had to look for. I could just feel it. I, I all I had to do was brush um, across, and and I could feel it. And I remember just half-assed jokingly telling a couple of people at work, like, "Yeah, I've got this lump in my breast," and they're like, "What? Go get it checked out." So I did. <laughs> and so you go in, they do the everything, mm -hmm. and how long after you go in do they? somebody message you call you I went in um, my gynecologist ordered a mammogram that day so drove across town got a mammogram um, the radiologist was very concerned with what she saw so I got an ultrasound but they can't say anything right they can't they they needed to do they ordered a surgical biopsy for that week okay. um, because there was multiple things that they saw and uh, so we did a, a surgical bi biopsy the following week on, and that was on a Wednesday. And they said it'll probably take a week, seven to 10 days at the most to get pathology um, you know, results and everything back. They called me that Friday morning and uh, told me. And so the phone call, she just calls and says, hey. She said, Trish, are you driving yet to work? I said, no, I'm getting ready to leave. And she says, I need you to sit down, we need to talk. And uh, she told me it was cancer. Um, she says we need to talk about your uh, your treatment. And so when they when that like when you hear that the first time, your first initial thought is like what like fuck. You know, I I don't remember how I got to, to the floor. Um, I I think I just probably I don't know if I passed out, but I, I think I just fell to the floor and I was just listening to her. I don't remember everything that she was saying. For sure. To be honest with you. Um, and then it just sort of hit me. And I, I remember walking into my kitchen, grabbing a tablet and a pen and paper. And I started writing down all the phone numbers and the names of doctors that she needed to refer me to. She said she was putting in orders for an MRI for that day that I... Um, and I got off the phone and I started making calls. I called my boss. I said, I can't come in. I won't be in next week. It, it is cancer. And I just started scheduling shit. But you're like kind of calm-ish during it? 
Because I'd be like crying, like on the floor, like and just like probably disbelief. I mean, that's at least what I think would happen. I think I was a little numb. Yeah. I I think I just went into like this Spock like (laughs) um, moment where like I'm sure that's some some kind of Star Trek reference or something. (laughs) I'm so proud of you that you knew it was Star Trek. I know some of the shit, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yay! You didn't fuck it up. Um, But I I think I think I was just numb from it and I just went into like survival mode and it was just like I gotta get ahead of this I gotta take care of it and start get going I, I, I don't remember sitting there and bawling my eyes out or, or just losing control I just went in to start scheduling shit and so it's kind of like you're on your own though right like so are you just in like your apartment or your house but I was, by yourself I was living with a boyfriend at the time um, I remember um, going into the bedroom telling him he needed to get up um, that I needed him to take me to some doctor's appointments and got him up and, and told him what was going on because um, I didn't want to have to drive I that I, I was at least smart enough to know that maybe sure. I probably shouldn't be driving today yeah. um, so I had him uh, take me to the, the doctor's appointment so I could go get the MRI and start getting that taken care of um i called my parents called my best friend and how do you how do you tell like your your mom or something like because i'm sure like to me like if my wife told me that i'd be like i'd fucking lose i think it's obviously like you said it's worse if it's not you than if it is you right sure. which is it's crazy to say but I, I would just feel sick to my stomach if i heard that like because we can't do anything right it's like so how do you tell your mom that I just, I called her and, I mean, everybody knew that I, I, she went with me to my, the original gynecologist appointment, you know, so she was already there, you know, knowing what, everything was going on. Some of it, yeah. So, you know, calling her, we, we were just essentially waiting for results. So, you know, when I called her that morning, I think she kind of had an idea. That's probably what I was calling about. And fortunately, dad was home as well and uh, and told them. And they freak out or no? Or they kind of try to. Be I think cool. she did. Yeah, what's well, a yeah. mom? Yeah, it's what yeah. they do. She's she's one of those like emotional types. She she can just cry on the spot, and I'm more of just like, all right, stop crying, please, just calm down. Which um. is crazy because like you're telling her to calm down, and it's you. It's just such know, a weird I thing. I know. I know. I was. I was just like, just put down on the phone. I remember telling her, just put down on the phone. God. Um, I was a little too chicken shit to call grandma, so I asked mom to call grandma and let grandma know and. You know, kind of start, you know, calling the family tree, you know, sister and everybody else because I was very focused on doctor's appointments. I knew where I needed to go and just start getting shit done. So, like, from the first time, like, you noticed it to this phone call, it's like, what are we talking, like, three, four months probably? Yeah, it was several months. When I noticed it, um, it was probably about the size of, like, maybe an almond. Okay. Um, so it was small, you know, I kind of had to like search for it. I mean, I was tiny. I was like a 32B. I was little on top and there wasn't much there to begin with. Um, but by the time I went in for the biopsy, it was over six centimeters. So um, larger than a golf ball. No shit. Yeah. That's pretty substantial, bro. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm fully blamed. I've got no one to blame, but really me. Um, so, you know, it was kind of like, well... You know, everyone everyone else, their reactions were like, what the fuck? Go get this checked out. So, But does anybody really think it's... I mean, we all know, like, we can be touched. But, like, does anybody really think it's going to be us, though? Like, do we really... No, we don't, I was 32 and healthy. There was no family history of, of any breast cancer. I mean, the first thing that my gynecologist did was draw my blood and send it out to um, get tested for, um, you know, the g- genetic uh, BRCA1 or BRCA2. And I tested negative for both. 
It's it was a biological cancer. Essentially, they don't know what the fuck caused it. Yeah, it's just shitty luck of the draw, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the worst man. So I guess like that night or moving forward, like how do you do you go to sleep like normal or do you just like for me it would be like this. I don't worry about a lot of shit, but again, my life is fucking awesome, so like I don't have to. But like that, but again, I'm also this OCD where it's like I create this life, so it's so awesome I don't have to worry about shit. But I can't control that, and neither could you. So like when you go to sleep, it's just like oh, I'm gonna go to sleep and wake up tomorrow. You're like, you think about it all night. You know, I. It, it's weird because it, it, this was only six years ago, um, but I don't, I don't remember what was going through my head that night. I don't remember how I slept and, and I may have just blocked a lot out. For sure. Um, I do remember <laughs> filling up my glass of wine to the rim. It's part of your treatment plan. I, right? I remember yeah. <laughs> filling <laughs> that thing up to the rim. Um, I do remember that my dad came over, he had flowers and my cookie dough ice cream. He says, here you go, you can pick out all the cookie doughs and I won't get mad. Um, that was nice. my thing growing up as a kid. You know. I'd get this long spoon and pick out all the cookie doughs. My wife does that shit with Halo Top and it pisses me off so much because it looks like chewed up shit when you open up the container. And I'm like, the only good part is the cookie dough, bro. Yeah. Either eat it all or don't eat it, but don't catfish me. You gotta and make eat me around think like it. You gotta yeah. eat around it. It's the worst, man. <laughs> That's not right. I do remember, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very curious person. I, I, am a pre- I like to prepare for things. I like to know what I'm getting myself into. I like to educate myself. So I do remember Googling shit. Oh. My advice to anybody, yeah. don't Google, Google shit. Don't look at images. We, um, call it, we call it like self-diagnosing. But for most of us, like normal shit. You already know what it is. Yeah. But man, like, I guess I'll put it this way. Has anybody ever, and, and I don't know if this is even an answerable question. Has anybody ever Googled some shit about themselves? And it's like, it's been awesome news. And like, you, fo- <laughs> you focused on the good shit. Like, oh man, my nose is running. Oh, I have this fucking cancer. I'm going to drop dead. Like, it's always like the worst forum or the worst case scenarios. It's never, and, and even if there's positive stuff, I don't even think we naturally see it. Like, no. you just focus on all the horrible shit. You, you do. And, and I, even at that point, um, that night, until I started meeting with oncologists, um, obviously professionals that could articulate my pathology reports and help me understand my, my diagnosis and what all of these words meant that my gynecologist told me on the phone that didn't mean shit to me at the time. Um, you know, so I'm just Googling breast cancer. I'm Googling um, surgeries. I'm Googling, you know, worst case scenarios and looking at images and it's horrifying. It's like mortified, what is out sure. there. Yeah. I mean, you've got worst case scenario stuff out there and so it definitely um it definitely fucks with you a bit um, yeah well think about it like if it's if we go on like how google works like search it's the top search stuff it's the most popular dings and typically those aren't the vanilla stories no no those are the horror stories yes it is um, so that's crazy uh okay so like and so this is so you don't know a ton yet right nope. and so go through like the next i guess steps you probably meet with two or three people and they tell you like you're stage one, stage two. Stage, so here's where you're at in the the order, and here's what's going to happen. The net over the next week and a half, um, I met with a few different surgeons um, that she referred me to. I met with a couple of oncologists. Um, I hadn't met with any plastic surgeons yet, um, and uh, went met after meeting with the breast surgeon. 
Um, there, you know, that the breast surgeon's the one, you know, she did the surgery for my port. She did the the bilateral, which is a double mastectomy. Um, she referred me then to the plastic surgeons, but then she also referred me to, um, I kind of went over the list of the other referrals I had for oncologists and such. She said, you know, I think you'll really like this one. Here's why. So I met with those ones. Um, and, uh, the doctor that I went with, I'm so thankful I went with this organization and the doctors that I had because I, I think um, outside of just obviously them administering chemo and, and giving me all the good stuff, um, I, I just think the support system that they provided and how they treated me made all the difference. Like going, they, gave, they, gave a sh- they gave a shit. They did. They yeah. did. And I remember meeting with her and it was late. There, um, She met with me. It was after five o'clock and I was there until almost eight. And she was explaining things to me, explaining um, that I was in stage three because of the size of my tumor, the largest tumor. I had other tumors in me. So that's how many total? Couple. I think it was four tumors three smaller ones and all um, in the same like all it, everything was in my right breast okay nothing in the left at the time um it was uh stage three invasive ductal carcinoma um which to people listening like stage one is the best case scenario it is it's, it, it's an easier stage to treat because they're the treatment is a little bit easier not as intense and then stage, you might just do a lumpectomy where you remove the lump Essentially, um, and you keep your you would you keep your breasts then possibly uh, probably yeah. probably and then what's like the worst? That would be stage four. Um, you know you've got metastatic breast cancer. Um, you know patients out there right now going through treatment um, that it's probably going to be a lifetime battle until they get better and more research for metastatic breast cancer. But um, stage three um, was due to the size of the tumor, the largest one that I had. And it was a uh, grade three. There are three grades for um, invasive ductal carcinoma. And I was a grade three, which is the fastest growing, most intense, harder to control. And they tell you that like when you're there? And then you're like, fuck me, right? Uh, Well, and- Or or no, maybe you're like, oh, well, okay, cool. Well, I didn't understand the, the gravity of it. For sure. um, you know, I, I, at the time I was mixing stage three and grade three. I thought it was all the same. I thought it meant the same thing. And then I started Googling and educating myself and then realizing, oh my God, yeah. I have grade three. And, and this is why instead of doing chemo every three weeks, which would be a normal treatment plan, I was getting um, set up to start chemo every other week and then to get additional bone marrow treatments to help grow my white blood, my white blood cells in order to bring my white count up quicker so that I was then healthy enough to get chemo again and again. And they also told me that I was HER2 positive, which meant that the receptors of my breast cancer was essentially um, feeding itself. So my estrogen, my progesterone, um, female hormones was what was feeding my breast cancer. So then I had an additional chemo drug called Herceptin that I had to do treatment for as well to help then not only stop the growth, slow down the growth, and stop feeding the growth. So your own body basically perpetuates yeah. it and makes it mm-hmm. worse? Yeah. That's gnarly, dude. 
So how does it, like the order like of events, right? So you go in and they're like, hey, here's what it is. It's stage three, this is grade three here. And they're like, we're going to do a double mastectomy. We're going to take it. Does that happen before everything? I couldn't do surgery. No. No. It, because it was so aggressive, they said my chances of survival was essentially 15, 17% chance. So we couldn't cut into me again. At the time, we had to we had to shrink it. We had to shrink the tumor, and we had to stop the growth first because it was spreading. Um, so week the following week, I was in surgery to have my port put in. And, and what, what describe that for Roger at home in Indiana, who's know what the <laughs> fuck we're talking about? Um, so or for or me for that matter. So that you don't blow out your veins, and yeah. they're not having to um, access your veins on a regular basis you can have a port put in. So they put a port in uh, right here on my chest. Oh yeah, it looks like uh, like collarbone surgery. Yeah, basically. I called it R- I called the little device R2D2, I nicknamed yeah. it. Um, and it, they put, it's just there all the time. It was, it was under the skin. It looked like I had a rock underneath my skin. It yeah. was about this big, um, about you know a little bit bigger than a quarter and it sat underneath my skin. And they accessed it with a needle that hooked into it. Um, Technology, man. So the following week, they scheduled me for surgery to have a port put in that morning. And then that afternoon, I started my first chemo treatment. And like, chemo sucks ass, I take it. It does. Um, So how how does that work? Like you go in, hey, we're doing chemo today. Does that take an hour, the whole day? They, um, you go through a different series of different types of chemo. Everybody's body is going to react differently to different types of chemo. There are several different kinds. The first few that I had, I started having some bad reactions, so they had to change it up a little bit. They also started pumping me full of steroids um, and other drugs to counteract the effects that um, the chemo was having on me. Chemo would last, I would check in about 10 o'clock in the morning and I would leave about 5 or 5.30 in the evening. So you just lay like in a bed or something? Oh, no, they have great recliner chairs. Nice. They're fantastic. You sit in this recliner chair and... Um, just IV you? Yeah, you just sit in an IV. It, it kind of looks like if you've ever been to those rooms where people are getting like those vitamin C drips. Oh, like drip room and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's essentially like the drip Your room. Your friend's like super hungover. They hook yeah. him up and he's fine. Yeah, except for everyone's bald around you. Yeah. And like, so do, when you're getting it done, like, do you feel... Like, you don't feel like shit when you're there. Is that later? Because they're just basically just feeding it into your body. And your body's like, eh, this stuff's just coming in. We don't know. And is it like the night or the next day? Actually, um, you're, I mean, you're, you're weak. I mean, I was weak and tired that the fur for the first treatment, obviously, because I was still coming off anesthesia from um, having my port put in and being under for that surgery. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, it, it's tiring um, depending upon the reactions it um, can be uncomfortable um, it's the first day or two I think is where you feel actually okay but that's because of all the steroids they're pumping in you to counteract everything else so you're so pumped up full of steroids for the first couple of days yep. you're almost okay you're tired um, but the achiness the nausea, um, that starts to set in for after the second or third day, and then that hits you for a good week or so. And like, are you puking and stuff often or no? Um, it depends on what I ate. 
Um, that was my other question. Like, do you eat and drink like normal or you can't? Someday you maybe? can. There was a lot of things I couldn't eat. I couldn't have sushi. I had to stay away from salads and lunch meats and things that... Because um, you're so susceptible at that point. Your immune system is um, very compromised. So you want to stay away from things that um, are going to have higher amounts of bacteria in it that your body probably can't fight. Oh, shit. Um, so I had to stay away from a lot of things. I had to wash my vegetables and fruit in um, a solution to get any parasites and any other um, germs and things off of them. Um, so what do you eat? You, what would you eat normally? You, you want to stick with like cooked things. I ate a lot of soups. Miso soup, for some reason, was... Um, probably one of my favorite things to eat um, just because it was soothing to my stomach um, carbs I craved carbs so much yeah like donuts and shit or what no um, I remember it was like potatoes and heavy like heavy soups things like that yeah interesting bread <laughs> and so this goes on for how long weeks um my, I went through, I finished eight treatments, eight chemo treatments, and then we took a month off because the chemo, um, it thins your skin so much to, I couldn't do dishes without having bloody knuckles. It just, it thins your skin so much. And really? they wanted me to go off the chemo for, I believe it was three or four weeks so that I could then get to a point where I could have surgery. So by this point in time, I start chemo in June, July timeframe, and my mastectomy was Halloween of 2014. Okay. So a couple months afterwards. Mm -hmm. So while everyone's out, you know, getting dressed up, handing out candy, getting drunk, I'm... This is it. Yeah. So, and you know this is coming, right? Because they tell you, like, hey, here's what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, everything has been scheduled out. Um, treatment, all my treatment plans. I, w I, I was there every week. But um, the chemo was every other week, and the additional chemo treatments I was having was on a weekly basis. So every week I was there from, for some sort of treatment. Yeah. And then they're just like, all right, here on Halloween, we're going to do this. And, mm -hmm. like, we shared the story before we even talked, like, do you know, like, do you think about that? Like, okay, they're going to cut my breasts off, like, p having a panic attack? Or you're just like, this is just part of the game. Like, I just, I want to be alive, so I don't give a shit. I was so far removed from my breasts at that point. Um, I didn't really care Yeah. at that point. I mean, honestly, it was more traumatic for me to lose my hair. After my second chemo I remember treatment, you said that. And I'm like, dude, it's just hair, my, bro. I know, I Mine's know. Mine's going to be gone, too. We're all okay. Yeah. <laughs> you covered up with a hat. I, I mean, I can get you a deal on hats. I know some people. You can, you can. Yeah. Um, but my hair was coming out so bad. And when your hair follicles die, it's very painful. So my head felt tender. I felt like I had bruises and sores on my head. So when we finally shaved my head, I felt so much better. It was, it was a relief. I was able to kind of take control of that. And at that point, I was already, you know, after um, several months of steroids and chemo and eating horribly, not being active, I'd already put on weight. I was bald. Now I'm going to lose my breast. I mean, it's a woman's worst fucking nightmare. I mean, things are looking up. It really right? is. Yeah. 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 Um, just living my best life. God. 
And uh, at that point, I was just, you didn't I was f- no longer emotionally attached to them at that point. And so, and we said this too. So they go in, they do the surgery yep. and I, I don't have an equivalent because I'm, I would, this would crush my whole soul. Like I just, we're not, dudes aren't built for this shit clearly, but I'm like, I share the story off camera. Like when we're, I got veneers on my teeth and I remember like they, if you guys don't know at home, like when you get veneers done, they grind your real teeth down to like these, they look like, like toothpicks basically. And they give you these glasses. I was like watching Batman actually. And then they take them off and he's like, they just move the mirror by you and they're just like, oh, just look forward. And I look and I see these sticks in my mouth and I have a sheer fucking panic. I'm like, this dude fucked me up. I'm going to look like a troll my whole life. I'm like, my life is over. And I'm like, I'm freaking out. And then now see now I look fine. But you have that initial sense of it. Yours is like times a trillion. So walk me through like, okay, they cut them off and then they're going to unbandage me. And what goes on? Um, well, I was, I was in the hospital for a good week. But um, after, I want to say it was, and I've lost all sense of time being in the hospital when you're on all those drugs and sure. <laughs> um, all the good stuff. Um, I think it was like the second day when my plastic surgeon came in and she wanted to check my incisions. You know, so they were removing the dressings. My mom's looking at me. She's like, just keep looking at me. Keep I look down, of course. You know, you ha- human I, nature, it's like... Yeah. Tr- Don't it's press like, the red button. You press like, the red button. <laughs> is it like, well, are you like one of those people that can like watch the pimple popping guy? Yes. Like, I, it's like a soothing thing. It, it is. It's I think it's satisfying. fucking creepy. But like, every time they show that, like, I'll watch it. I don't know why that is. Like, I don't want to... not look. Do, would you want to pop him yourself, though? Are you that person? Yeah, I would. Like, I'm not... A, I guess I probably would, too. It's fucking gross, though, isn't it? Like, if your boyfriend or wife or husband, like, has a zit, like, my wife loves it. Oh, Like, I'll if I ever had, yeah. she's like, oh, let me squeeze it. And it's like, she wants to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's something about it. And I think that's the thing where it's like, you know you shouldn't look because it's, you'll never forget it, I'm sure. No, um, I'll never get that image but you look. of my mind. And I did. So when you do, are you just like, what the fuck? Or are you just kind of like, eh, this is part of the journey? remember everything that went was going through my mind i i do i remember looking down and it was caved in and um it, it just I, I think it was just a very surreal sad but um i i think because at that point i was just so unattached to them at that point from everything else. I mean, losing your hair, losing your eyelashes, um, you know, going through everything else and the treatment and the pain. And then, and now my breasts at that point, I, I think for me at the time, I knew that I was going to get reconstructive surgery. I, fortunately I, we, in the state of Arizona and not every state has this, um, state of Arizona, you can opt to preventatively have both breasts removed. So I wasn't just going to do the one breast, even though that was the side, the right side was where the cancer was. I was able to do both. So in my mind, I'm just going to do both. I'm going to get rid of this. So it never comes back. I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm going to get reconstructive surgery and I'm going to move on. And I think in my mindset, that's how I, I, processed it in my mind I just I kept staying on that logical path of this is just what I need to do this it, this was a speed bump for me you know my my life was all about career and climbing the corporate ladder and living and breathing my career and this was my body's way of telling me to slow the fuck down this is a speed bump 
it wasn't the end of my life. I just needed to slow down, take care of me. Well, I imagine like the it's traumatic, and we in our fitness circle we talk about this one time at dinner. David Jack asked me, he's like, "What if your body was taken away from you tomorrow, like the one that I live in today?" He's like, "Would you be okay?" And I'm like, ah, "Bro, I'm like, I don't know, man. I spent a lot of time on this shit. It would be really hard to do." And so, like, I think like for you, it's like, okay, you're in your 30s, which is basically like the prime of your sexiness, basically. And not that you can't be in like when you're 40, 50, 60, but let's be real, like, there's a certain window where you're like. You're your George Clooney moment, yeah. your Brad Pitt yeah. moment. So it's like you're in that era. You're attractive. I have beautiful hair. I'm fit. I'm healthy. And then it's like all of a sudden three months later, I'm way heavier. I'm fucking bald. And I'm like, yeah. they just cut my breasts off. Like, what the hell, dude? I imagine that has to be like a – it just – it would be so hard to even imagine. That's why I asked the question. It was hard. Um, but – I am not one to feel sorry for myself. I am not one to woe is me. Can't believe this is that has never been me, and that will never be me. I am how I deal with things. I'm in joke about things, and you know I, I play it off. I mean, I, I remember um, you know you'd go to the store, you go somewhere out to lunch with friends, and um you know I would probably wear a scarf on my head or like a little baseball cap, and you know, people would look at you. You could tell, obviously, it was clear that I was going through some sort of chemo treatment or probably sure. had cancer. And, you know, I, I remember a few people, um, you know, they just looked really sad. You know, are you feeling okay? I'm like, oh, I'm great. You know, this was during the World Cup. And I um, was telling people that I had lost a bet when Germany won that I had to shave my head. And they're like, really? I'm like, no, I no. have cancer. <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> awesome. Like, oh my God, we feel so much better. No, I'm just serious. I no, feel I cancer. really like, do. And, oh, and I did that quite a few times. But I, I got some feedback saying that that may be a little fucked up. So uh, but but I mean, it was fun for me it, to it, do it that. Is. Because for me, just to be able to laugh about it, it's like, yeah, I'm going through cancer. But you know what? I'm here. <laughs> that's so, so terrible, though. <laughs> I would feel so bad. if like, oh, that's super cool because I thought you had cancer. You're like, actually, I do ask. I want to be like, oh, fuck, no, I feel bad. Yeah, again. exactly. That's, that's bad. Me. Yeah, I'm that person. That's great. Um, but it was just easier to joke about it because, again, I mean, I was just never one to, you know, go and complain or feel sorry for myself. I was not going to let this stop me. It it will never stop me. No, and I mean, I would imagine like we all, any person, cancer survivor, or anything traumatic, you have your own process of how you get through it, and I think that's yeah. probably the healthier one than, you know, being depressed and sad as shit and not leaving the house. Clearly. I had a great time at when interviewing different plastic surgeons and uh, my mom, I, you know, my parents are pretty conservative Christian and uh, my mom's a little prudish and I'm a little bit more, um, you know, out there um, probably in comparison to my mom. And so we're at plastic, at a plastic surgeon consultation. So they were going to have all the different types of implants and there's different implants for breast cancer patients versus if you're just going in for a regular breast augmentation. It's a different kind of implant. Did not the know shapes that. and everything, the sizes. Because um, essentially, I mean, double mastectomy, you've taken you've taken an ice cream scoop and you've taken everything out. So you're starting from scratch. You don't have so like the there's breast no, tissue, nothing. There's no muscle, there's nothing. I had the muscle, yeah. but all the breast tissue, all the fat, nothing, everything gone. was gone. And, the, and you lose a lot of skin too. Oh, for sure. So you've got to re-stretch out the skin and you're putting in a larger implant than you would with someone that's already a B cup or a C cup and they just want to be a D, so they're putting in a small implant. No, you're starting from scratch. Yeah. So um, the way I dealt with this was I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all these different implants, you know, saline versus, you know, all the different other um, kinds. And my mom's sitting there and she's looking through them. She's, she's like, well, this would be a nice size for you. And I'm like, no, no, 
What's the largest size I can go that's covered by the insurance company? <laughs> nice. Your mom's and like, your mom's like, what the fuck are we doing she's, here? She's mortified. Yeah. Um, I, I love to make her uncomfortable. And the my plastic surgeon, Dr. Molly Walsh, she, uh, she's amazing. She starts laughing. She's like, well, as of right now, the largest size that you could go would be 800 cc's. So just for you know anyone wondering you know say you're just a small b and you want to be a double d so you're probably going to put a two or three hundred cc implant in there oh so you're talking like i was having an 800 cc implant which is a little over two pounds each so i have 1600 cc's in me that seems like a lot right yeah well you know but I mean, fuck it, man. Like, live your best life, bro. Yeah, exactly. Live and it. I thought, you know what? I lost my hair. I lost my breast. I lost my eyelashes. My ability to probably have kids. I'm getting something out of this deal. Yeah. So. But how does it feel now? Like. Um. Compared to like your, I don't want to like say your. Clear. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like your, compared to your old life, like how does it feel like in your body now? Because I'm sure it's probably different. I mean, I'm sure now it's normalized to you. But before it was like you're this. You went through all this shit, and now you're on the other side of it. After going through all of that, I'll tell you, it feels weird to go to a doctor's appointment and not take my shirt off. Yeah. Like, you get to a point where you me, take me your too. shirt off. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I bet. For I work bet. mostly, but yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Those in those short shorts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you they're just, they're like elbows to me. It, it is not something that I am as prudish and maybe shy about. Yeah. Um, whereas before, I was probably way more conservative and much shyer about things like that now i'm just like whatever let's talk about my boobs because essentially that's what jacob thinks we are here talking about today was my uh boobs. i believe so if you guys are listening jacob is my young coach here he's from iowa so forgive him <laughs> um he's like oh you're gonna have trish come on the podcast and i'm like yeah he's like what are you gonna talk about boobs and stuff end quote that's what his thing was he goes boobs and stuff end quote <laughs> That's what a 25-year-old from Iowa gets you guys. That's so our crystal clear. I love clear. me some Jacob. Man, he's uh, yeah. different. So in terms of like all that stuff, so how, where is it now? Like in the scope of, of everything is, so they do the implants, you get those in. Mm-hmm. Are you like, hey, you're cool. We are going to check on you once every three months, every month, every year. How does it work I go, now? I go once a year for a checkup, um, but I've had four reconstructive surgeries since. And what is that? So it's not like a normal, like, you know, Cindy goes in, she's like, I'm going to do the mommy makeover shit. She gets her boobs done and then she's just out. Yours is different. Yeah, they've they've had to go in, um, remove scar tissue. Um, I've had some uh, lumps appear that can't, the cancer didn't, hasn't come back, but uh, we had to remove some of the lumps. Um, and, uh, and then also... They've had to, they've improved some of essentially the hardware that they put in there to build the pockets to hold the implants. Because again, you don't have anything in there. So like a normal, like a normal breast would have like the original tissue and everything would be there. Yours is a shelf. So I've got, I've got material to go in from here all the way up and into my armpits. They've removed most of my lymph nodes. Um, so I have really bad circulation in my arms, but I've got material that goes in up through here. I've got scars that go all... It's like Edward Scissorhands down here. Oh, shit. Um, but... Does it, like, look normal? Like, to you? Or you... I mean, you can tell. But, like, you meet, like... You meet Roger out at, on Tinder. I know that's not going to happen. But you meet Roger no. on Tinder. Like, can he tell? Or no? We're dudes. We don't give a shit. Like, we'll do it. The anything. scars have lightened up. Yeah. 
Um, they're not as like dark purple, um, but uh, I, I think with anybody, I, I think it would it would be a while before I, I get to a point where I'm I'm comfortable. It, yeah, because you know, like in normal that. life, like we would never know your story unless you tell us. Like we would. Yeah, um, it it feels normal. It, it's a new normal. I, I used to think that I couldn't wait for my hair to grow back. I couldn't wait to you know feel healthy again. Um, because I wanted to, I wanted to feel normal again. Yeah. But I'm never going to feel that again. I I needed to be okay with finding a new normal, a new healthy, a new stronger Trish, someone that was going to get through this and and not worry about trying to go back to what I was. I I need to just move forward and be okay with what's ahead of me. For sure. Well, I don't see how you can be the same, and I don't mean like you're probably better in a lot of cases in terms of think i am yeah well how, of everything because it's like you go through this shit it doesn't fucking kill you so you're like well fuck dude if that didn't get me shit i can deal with whatever yeah the hell's yeah going on. exactly i get that do you ever does anything else change other than that like so you have any other stuff moving ahead other than the yearly appointments is there anything else you yearly have to appointments. do appointments um i actually uh i have an appointment next week doing it with my surgeon we actually need to go in and do another surgery so I'll figure out when that needs to happen here in the next month or so. Um, Do you just get sick of it or just like this is part of the game now? It's kind of part of the game. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's more for aesthetic reasons, but to fix some things as well. Um, granted, I didn't know that I wasn't allowed to not do pull-ups. Well, that kind of screwed up some areas, and I kind of ripped a couple things in there. So. You're just trying to get jacked, dude. I yeah, get I yeah. Get um, <laughs> I mean, even push-ups are, are very difficult for me, but I yeah. um, can't do pull-ups. Good to know. So, yeah, we need to go in and, and kind of um, – she wants to remove the implants and kind of reinforce my chest wall to reinforce the implants a little bit, remove – some loose skin that's there again, um, do some fat grafting. Fat grafting is you take it from one area and you put it up here, because again, it's just skin, muscle, and implants. So to kind of have a more natural look, you insert fat into the area to kind of give a, a better you know, look, I guess. Do some people just like not do implants at all and just like fucking try to roll with it? My breast surgeon. That would be um, hard. I would think that would be like super tough to do. She did that. She said she was small to begin with and had no interest to do reconstructive surgery because she was a surgeon herself and didn't want to have the downtime. So she opted not to do reconstructive surgery. I think that would be hard to do. Like, as a human, like for me, like it'd be like, hey, Jeremy, we're going to like cut this shit out of you and it's just gone. And I'd like, I would struggle. Like, I mean, again, I'm not very vanity based. I don't like to think I am. And I'm not saying women are worse than dudes, but. You see, dudes are sloppy as shit. Women just are so much sexier. So you guys just because you guys give a fuck more than we do. It's just true. It's we why, do. We do. Why women live longer? They're healthier. Put a little bit more effort. Dudes are the worst. So even for me though, I'd be like, well, fuck, dude. I don't know if I could like go the whole, you know, next sixty-eight years without having it there. That would be tough. I think. I think that was probably my mindset too. Um, I mean, I think if I had had um, got diagnosed with breast cancer and gone through all of that and say I was in my 60s or 70s or something, I probably wouldn't have been like, give me the largest implant you can give me. Yeah. I was 32. Yeah. I wanted the largest yeah. implant. I get that. Because <laughs> you still have your entire, yeah, like, probably I, two more full lifetimes to live and do all the shit you have to yeah. do when you're, not saying when you're like 70 or finished, but... I don't know how much sex. It probably wouldn't have been as important to me. For sure. On on the level of mammy, meaty uh, vanity 
at, at that point in my life, but it, it was for me, and I'm glad I did. I have no regrets. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of like everything else, like what else is there? Anything else that like is lingers from it not the mental stuff we'll talk about that in a second but like physical stuff like the the arm circulation or is that like the biggest thing no um you you and i were talking about um other friends of yours that have a lot of um, pains and numbness from the different treatment um i get a lot of numbness and tingling in my feet i get a lot of your feet my feet oh shit my hands especially i'll be lifting and um I'll have to put the weights down because my my hands feel like they're on, you know, if you like you've maybe like sat on your hands or your leg weird and it falls asleep and you've got that oh, sharp wor- tingling. It's the worst. Yeah, I get that all the time. No oh, shit, and um, for no reason or if it's for overuse. No reason. Yeah. yeah, it just it comes and goes. Um, I'll get really sharp, um, stinging, shooting pain in my chest and um, I did get a little bit of heart damage. Um, I, I have to go for regular echocardiograms as well, um, you know, cause there's also concerns of cardiomyopathy um, from the treatment that I went through. So they, they keep an eye on my heart, but um, I get a lot of sharp pains and a lot of it are my nerves growing back. Oh, so there was so much, there's so much nerve damage, you know, in a blessing, I have a lot of numbness up here. But on the other hand, as um, your nerves grow back, you you know it's kind of like a weird electric kind of shooting pain. If you've ever been to like a chiropractor where they put those little pads on you, you can feel the little zaps. Oh yeah, that's what it feels like um, on occasion. Like I've already had like three since I've sat here. That's gnarly, bro. But you just kind of learn to deal with it. I mean, there are some mornings I wake up and my hands and feet are tingling and they're numb and they're killing me and. I just, I get up and I start moving around, get the circulation going and just try to ignore it. And they just tell you that's just like part of the game, huh? It is. A lot of it's just damage um, from, it's it's common with the chemo that I went through. I think, dude. They basically, Perceptin as well. They basically do, I mean, how I understand it, like they do everything to kill all the shit, but not kill you. Yeah, they kill some of the good stuff too. Yeah, like fuck, bro. It just yeah. seems like such a shitty thing. Like, that's brutal. So to the next point. So, obviously, the physical stuff. I would think for the better, probably, in terms of, like, how you think about life and perspective and gratitude and that shit, it probably changed. Not that you were an asshole, like, before it, but you have to be. Maybe we don't know. I mean, I've known you for a while, so Y'all we'll need see. to see the look on this face right now. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we all are. We're all just, like, we all complain yeah. about, like, our car and our house and our fucking clothes and the stupid ass shit that really like we're all going to be dead in 100 years anyway yeah so who gives a fuck but like we do that and then you go through this traumatic thing and it's kind of like i would imagine like wow maybe i was an asshole in these three areas and now it's like although this little shit that used to bug me it doesn't now and now i think about life in terms of x y and z um i think it i've heard it has softened me a little bit um i can be very extremely dominant type a personality and that has always been me um very logical no i'm i'm the person that i i don't want to deal with the criers i i don't i don't deal with that very well i'm like you check your emotions out the door we're here to do a fucking job type thing and and that's how i deal with things in life and i can be a little bit of a high intensity <laughs> a little stressful we call, like a, we call it a mutant you're just like a robot you just kind of yeah, go in um, cut, go you yeah. prefer it that way yeah. um very vulcan like um yeah. <laughs> 
and and that's how I go through life. And I, I think that this has probably um, softened my approach a little bit with things, my, my patience with people, my empathy with people, um, my ability to help check situations where you're in and you might automatically assume the worst or, or get frustrated with somebody quickly. You know, I try to really be compassionate towards people and, and try to put myself in their shoes. Where are they coming from? You know, they're they're um, projecting this anger or frustration at me, but where is this really coming from if it's not, you know, something that I've caused? And I try to keep that in mind and and just be patient with people because I know even going through my treatment, I'm, I'm sure I had some some moments. So, you know, well, I, you I, I try not, to though? just be yeah. more patient with people, I think. Well, I think that's a big thing too. Like, because if we, like, for you, for example, like, if I didn't know you, I saw you at Safeway. I'm like, oh, here's this this girl who's fit. She's just a normal person walking through. Like, we don't know the story, and you might have just came from a doctor's call or a visit or something. It's like, wow, she's dealing with a lot of shit. Yeah. This is why she's in a hurry or in a rush or stressed or whatever. And I think we do that with everybody. Like, we, I don't know if empathy is a real thing. Like, I think I have it. Like whatever shred humans can have but I feel very few people don't have it we don't give a fuck about anything because it's hard for you to be in like I can hear your story and I but I don't feel it though you know what I'm saying like yeah. I can't feel how sh- I can imagine like that's the worst fucking thing ever but like we have a hard time doing that especially like in our normal lives when we get busy and we're in a rush because it's a yeah. self-preservation thing it's crazy but I, I think assume it's important to be mindful though I mean I, I think I have a really I, I think I have a better awareness towards um those situations and how i i try to come across um because i know i can come across fairly harshly and um in a very dominant manner when maybe that's not how i'm meaning to be but that's how i come across so i try to just have a better awareness of it better appreciation towards people and things and you know the the best feedback i've probably gotten was just you've you've softened which is a good thing yeah it it probably is my God, was I a fucking bitch? Like, you, <laughs> no, it's like you're intense, though. It's like, yeah. like for you or like myself or you know certain people who are that way. You're just you are how you are. Yeah, it just is, and it it just it probably for the better. I think. So on that same note, like your advice for people who, if they get a diagnosis or even before that, if they notice something, like probably don't wait months. Yeah, correct? don't don't be dumb. Um, you know, I'm I'm a pretty big advocate of, you know, check your boobs, ladies. Um, be familiar with your body. Um, and uh, don't be afraid to obviously speak up and ask for help when when something's wrong. Um, I've uh, I've helped a few um, individuals that were newly diagnosed. There's there's not I, I did notice that when I got diagnosed, there is not a big community out there for people that are younger dealing with you know, something like breast cancer that used to be, you know, an older woman um, cancer, you know, now women in their 20s and 30s are getting this. So it it's definitely attacking a younger generation. And there's not a lot of support out there for someone that's that age. And so I've tried to be there for others, people that I didn't even know, to help answer questions, help them, walk them through, like this is kind of what to expect. These are some doctors that you can go to. This is probably what you should do first. This is your diagnosis. This is where I would start. You know, here's some referrals and and such. And um, I I think for me, it's probably a little cathartic um, to be able to do that because I, I wouldn't be able to help them had I not gone through this. 
for sure. Is there like a is there groups and stuff or no? There I mean, are. I'm sure some places. There, there's a few gr- um, groups for um, for young women here in Arizona that have been diagnosed with breast cancer and um, young uh, a network for young individuals that have been diagnosed with cancer. So it could be ovarian. It could have been. Um, anything from breast cancer to leukemia to you know all t- all types so like when you do it like is there do you reach out did you reach out to a group or was it just like you and your family and that was kind of the circle i've i've reached out to these groups to yeah. offer assistance just because there wasn't a lot of help or at least i didn't have that support system when i went through it i mean i had my friends and i had my family thank god um but there just wasn't a lot out there you know, when I started searching, you know, social media outlets and it, just to check to see, like, is there a group I can go to? Is there someone else that I can reach out to and ask, like, hey, is this normal? Like, should I get a second opinion on this? Like, I didn't have that option. Well, and I think it's crazy, too, like, you know, wrap up in a second. But I'm like, with your stuff, like, you get the call and they hit you up and say, hey, you have cancer. Here's the shit or whatever. Here's the phone numbers. I would be like, what the fuck? I can't even dial the phone. Like, I'd be panicking. But like... I don't call my mom for anything, really. And I'd be like, hey, because my dad would, he'd fucking freak out. My mom would probably, I mean, she would too. But I think she would like go into this mom mode, you know, like, or my wife maybe. Heather probably worse than my mom, I don't know. But I'd be like, fuck, dude, can you guys call these numbers for me? Because I'm like, you know, having a panic attack here. But you're doing it yourself, yeah. which is crazy. And I think for most people to have somebody be like their, you know, the Batman to their Robin for that shit yep. would be helpful. That's crazy, man. I, you know, it, if anything, I, I think... You know, I mean, I'm I'm thankful that I, I'm I'm able to sit here and essentially I'm I'm healthy. I've been in remission, um, coming up on five years now. But um, you know, I, I definitely do find myself trying to coach or at least encourage people um, to take better care of themselves. You know, it's you know it's no different. Like, are are you gonna drive around town and drive on the freeway going 80 miles an hour on bald tires? No, no, you're going to replace your tires. So why would you not want to maintain your body and take care of yourself? Are you, are you going to wait until each tire blows out on the freeway until you finally do something? No. So don't wait until cancer happens. Don't wait until type 2 diabetes happens. Don't wait until you've had a heart attack or a mild stroke. So for you, and real quick, and then we'll do where these guys can stalk you at, hopefully. Um <laughs> Like when, right. like the reason you don't go in at first, is it because you just don't, either you, the, the, I would think of it this way. If, okay. If I find some shit, I'm like, okay, one, it's not going to happen to me. It's not that. Or two, I don't want to go in and hear the shit. Or three, like I'm so busy with my career or my work or whatever. I have to do this. And if they do that, well, fuck, I can't do my process anymore. Now mm-hmm. I'm screwed. Like what is the thing that held you from just being like, okay, fuck it. I felt this. I need to go in and get it checked out. Probably all three. The mix. Because you're like heavy career mode person. Yeah, heavy career. Um, ignorance is bliss. For sure. Um, you know, I even the surgery that I, I need to have this year, I, I put it off last year because I was more focused on my fitness and trying to get back in shape. So, because I know that there's going to be a recovery time. For sure. Are you still the same with work stuff? Like, or does that shift a little bit? I would think like if that happened shift to me, it. my wife would be like, you're not fucking working these days, these days, these days. It doesn't matter who gives a <laughs> shit. And in, in the big scope of things, it's competitive. It's America. I understand it. We have to do this. But really, does it fucking matter if we do or don't? No. I mean, my I have a great job. Um, I have health insurance. But I do have a very good work-life balance. I 
take time off. I take care better of me. Better now than before? Much better. Yeah. Much better. Um, my, my health, my fitness, my happiness, that comes first. That comes first. Because if I'm not healthy, if I'm not happy, I'm not going to be a good partner. I'm not going to be good at my job. And it's, for me, it's more important to um, maintain that foundation of me and my health and my happiness so that I'm better for everyone else. Than just a title at work or some yeah. more money. Yeah, exactly. Amen, bro. <laughs> I dig that. Okay, so where can these guys, um, if they want to stalk you and be creepy, or just if they really don't, guys, don't do what you do. I mean, podcasts, you guys are great. If this goes on YouTube and shit, we'll see. And Instagram. Um, where can they find you at if they need to reach out to you? Is there like a place um, they can go? Instagram, um, Facebook, probably, primary, or, or even LinkedIn, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm really easy to find. You just Google Trish Stinson, and yeah, I'm not that I'll, hard. To... Yeah, and I'll put this um, I'll put this on the blog, and I'll stick it uh, in the show notes. I'll give them all your stuff, address, phone number, all that stuff too, just in case. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I'll do the Instagram. We'll do your LinkedIn, all that stuff. So again, if you guys are, if you're in a similar position or you just want to share your comments on the podcast, the story, whatever, uh, hit her up. And man, that's golden, dude. That's all good shit. I learned a lot, actually. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know how to say some of these words. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> no, bro. You're a rock star, dude. That's, I can't imagine, man. I, I'm so soft. My life has been so easy compared to so much shit you guys eat on. But man, I dig that, bro. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Uh, anything else for these guys before we call um, it a day? There's a lot of good nuggets in here, though. I like that, man. Just take, just take good care of yourselves. Please don't take your health for granted. Just if if I if I could have um, dragged my ass into the doctor a little bit sooner, you know, maybe I I wouldn't have had to go through as much treatment as I as I did or as many surgeries as I did. Um, but uh, you know it. It happened the way it did for a reason, but uh, I, I would like to think that if, you know, it, even if one person that listens to this podcast um, that's maybe experiencing some health issues that maybe they're kind of ignoring or pushing off because what, for whatever reason, that maybe this makes them think twice. I dig that, man. And honestly, like if you would have waited six months longer. I wouldn't be here. Probably wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be. Which is crazy. So if you guys are listening and you just haven't went for like a yearly physical, like a normal, responsible adult is, your job doesn't fucking matter. The shit you're buying doesn't fucking matter. When you're dead, nobody gives a shit anyway. So just make it happen. So uh, with that, where am I at here? Um, or if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Open up your iPhone. Scroll all the way down the podcast app. Drop me a five-star. Leave a comment for myself and Trish. We truly would appreciate it. If you're on your MacBook or your iPad, do the same things. Click ratings and reviews. Drop it. Let us know what you think. And again, I'll put this in the show notes, you guys. I'll throw up it on the blog, and it'll come out in the newsletter probably the week of the 20th, I think, give or take. Uh, but it'll be on there too, so you guys can get that. But it'll be live here shortly. Um, but again, any questions you guys have for me or for Trish, I'll connect you with her. Thank you, Trish. That was amazing, bro. Thank I you dig for it. having me. I so, appreciate it. Until next time, you guys, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. <laughs>